Welcome to the Modern Times Podcast. John Guzan and Karen Weil with you. Hi, Karen. Hi there, John, and hello to all our listeners. We're doing political profundity again. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Arizona and Kirsten Cinema's win, if Arizona is truly purple. Um, uh, talking about what's going on in Florida and Georgia. Um, those elections um, are still are not final. Um, uh, then we're going to go to President Trump and his, I guess you could, you know, sarcastically call it wonderful, uh, his Euro trip. Um, and then also what happened with some First and Fifth Amendment rights. Um, next, we're going to go to uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, speaker job. What's going to happen there if is there m- might be a progressive uh, person to step up? Um, and then finally, uh, the Khashoggi murder and uh, what that investigation has led to and what some reporting is saying Trump is willing to trade um, someone in this country. Um, Karen, um, let's start in Arizona. Um, is it purple? I, I think it's a little premature to say that what I do think, you know, last Tuesday's election shows between her win and you had, what, four Democratic pickups in U.S. House elections there in uh, AZ, I, I think the state is definitely trending purple. Um, that's not to say Republicans will not have substantial victories as the years go by. Oh, yeah. Doug Ducey just got reelected by a you know, very, very impressive number, mm-hmm. despite his less than perfect handling of the teacher strike earlier this year. Sure. Um, there are certainly areas of the state that continue to be heavily dominated by the GOP. In fact, I believe Paul Gossar got elected, reelected, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even mm-hmm. though he just seems like yeah, he's I mean, in I'm one sorry, of those. He's yeah. like a terrible person, but okay, good yeah, luck. He's, he's in um, one of those heavy Trump, um, you know, country districts. So yeah, yeah. So there's just there was no way. Of course, when six of your own family members say you should be thrown out of office, that's pretty telling. But <laughs> at any rate, yeah, but they're Democrats. For the Democrats to have won four seats in Arizona is, you know, is not exactly a small feat. But I think Sinema's win in for a seat that most likely. Had she been a better candidate and had she voted to keep the ACA, I think Martha McSally would have cruised right into. But, of course, her no vote, her really crass reaction last year when it passed, let's get this effing thing done. Um, and, of course, you saw, we've all seen you know recent video interviews of her where she just, you can tell that she is not comfortable discussing this and handled it badly. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, I I think it's I wasn't totally surprised when Cinema won. I think the attempts by the GOP to paint her as some kind of wild-eyed radical communist <laughs> failed miserably because she's clearly not. Uh, we all saw her during the campaign say she supported Donald Trump's, uh, which I consider to be a cheap well not a cheap because it's costing us tens of millions of dollars publicity stunt to send. A lot of men and women in our armed forces who should really be doing more important things with their time. And I think the cinema just had a, a rather positive uh, featured campaign. She just came off, frankly, as far more likable than McSally. And I'm not, you know, McSally is certainly a decorated Air Force veteran and and has a, a lot of uh, accomplishments under her belt. But I just don't think it was enough this time in a year that obviously favored Democrats if not necessarily in the U.S. Senate, but clearly, you know, there was just a sea change movement going on. Um, and I, I think Arizona, again, with the changing demographics, 
you know, it is a state that is in line to be go the way Nevada has. And, of course, my home state went very blue this year, uh, as we talked about last week with Jackie Rosen winning in the Senate, uh, Steve Sisolak winning governorships, and now Democrats controlling all but one of that state's congressional districts. So just a lot of factors were in Cinema's Corner. And, um, you know, she had been looked at as sort of a rising star for some time. And it all seemed to work this year. Uh, you know, there are other things about her which I, I think are interesting and, and frankly shouldn't matter. But, you know, she's going to be the first openly bisexual senator <laughs> to be in that August body. Uh, but again, you know, I think most voters probably thought, I don't care about a personal life as long as she does her job, represents the constituents well, and doesn't break any laws. You know, what right. she's doing in her private time is of no concern. Uh, sure. She's also now the first female senator to represent Arizona, which is, and, you know, had, to be fair, had McSally won. That would also be a big step forward in that way. Um, I just think it's also, in a strange way, it's not only a rebuke of Trump and a rebuke of the Republicans in general, but I, and I know, you know, there are sort of mixed emotions about Jeff Flake, who in the last few days has actually shown he seems to have a spy uh, in terms of, of Mitch McConnell wanting to kill any protections of Robert Mueller. But I think it was a rebuke of Jeff Flake as well, and I, just the disappointment a lot of people had in him. Um, and so, I, you know, to me, obviously the Democrats didn't have a lot of success with the U.S. Senate this year, and you know, we'll talk about this in a few, but that, you know, Bill Nelson's seat is still up in the air, whether he's going to return to the Senate. We don't know if Mike Esty in Mississippi has a chance against Cindy right. Hyde Smith. Right. But there's, I think Cinema's win is one of the most interesting ones in the entire uh, election. Yeah. Uh, and I year. agree with you. I, so, I, go ahead, please. <laughs> I completely agree with you that, that the Cinema win is, you know, kind of a signature moment um, for for the Democrats uh, in this midterm. Um, but, you know, it was those other things, like you mentioned, um, now five to four in the congressional delegation in the, for, for the House. Um, you know, you have one Republican, one Democratic senator in Arizona. Um, and then um, even, um, you know, further down the ballot, uh, there was likely to be Katie Hobbs is going to be the secretary of state. Um, and um, her name is escaping me right now, but... Um, there's going to be a Democratic win at the uh, superintendent of public instruction. Um, yeah. And then yeah. um, uh, even in the state house, uh, 29 to 60 seats now for Democrats. Um, mm. So, you know, they're just one short of, of, of breaking even in the house in the state house um, and 17 to 13 advantage in this, in the uh, Senate, um, which, you know, all of those are, 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 are relatively record breaking, um, you know, since, you know, the early nineties, um, so, you know, a big change, I think, um, you can kind of feel that it's a little bit different. Who knows just because of what turnout was this time. Um, and we mentioned Ducey's kind of bounce cause he sort of had handled the teacher's situation. Um, and, um, you know, that was one of those things where he might've gotten, uh, you know, a, a little bit of payback at the ballot box, um, that people thought that he at least settled. And some of these other teacher candidates like Hobbs and, uh, the superintendent of public construction, they're both. Um, teachers that are running, and they really made that showing. So obviously that movement has, has changed things. Um, the other thing, though, that's interesting is, you know, McSally ended up, um, uh, you know, giving the race to cinema. Um, and, the, you know, the talk here, you know, too, is that she still might be a U.S. senator in the next 12 months. Yeah. Um, so, I think, yeah, I, I think, John, I mean, I don't mean to cut in, just 
to me, Don Kyle, we all know, is a placeholder. Right. And frankly, I think the only reason he was even put in that seat after McCain passed on was to sort of shepherd Kavanaugh through, um, which he did, and now we're stuck with him for God knows how long. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, 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 I think I'm going to be shocked if McSally is not chosen to fill McCain's seat. Right. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, I, I, I think it, and it, it also opens up some, some, you know, very interesting, you know, elements to it. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but even that Secretary of State win, I think, puts, you know, additional pressure on, on Doug Ducey to stay where he is. Um, you know, whether there was any other thought, or you could, you know, play that idea that what he would do. Um, but now, if he, um, you know, ever tries to go get that Senate seat for no matter what happens at any point, um, unless it's in 2022, um, uh, because there has to be a, a special election in 2020 and then in 2022 to um, to to round this out. So Arizona is going to be voting for a senator, um, you know, for three consecutive major election cycles. Excuse yeah, me. yeah, it's an incredible thing. The only thing I'd like to say about McSally, I do think she posted, a lot of people watched the video she posted earlier this week with her and her dog, who is quite adorable, a very gracious concession speech to cinema. And I, and I thought a, you know, a classy concession moment. Tweet. In general, my observation of that race is really, even though it was a tough campaign, I don't think either one of these women got that nasty with each other. And that was something, it was just something nice to watch. I mean, yeah. I don't know. You know, no, you know, I have had, to, yeah, but I have to disagree with you there. I mean, well, okay. you mean the McSally campaign I mean, and some of those people there were. Seen every, but just my impression was. <laughs> It didn't seem as nasty as some other races, but, you know, I'm not there on the ground, so. Well, you know, I mean, you know, and the only thing I wanted to point out was that 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 I think that it was one of those elements that I thought a, a lot of people could see through was that um, McSally campaign was really pushing that, you know, they were that that cinema was allowing, you know, sexual predators um, at. Uh, out Fair there. Enough. That's right. You yeah, know, and, thank you and, for reminding me of that. And, and so, that was not cool. And I, you know, I kind of think that a lot of people understood that, you know, they had already been there or kind of understand that they knew cinema enough to realize that there had to be not truth to that. That that she didn't get to where she was already if she was like somebody was just like, Hey, I don't care if you rape a little kid, you know, which was basically what the what the ad campaigns were trying to say, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the most general sense. And, um, you know, I think just people just saw through that and, and, you know, we had talked about it on this podcast before where I had, I had, you know, called out the cinema campaign saying whether they were being hard enough, like O'Rourke was being in Texas. And what I think ended up showing is that people still do love the middle and especially, um, you know, when you have a, a female candidate, I think it really, you know, adds to the lure of being having, you know, you know, folks crossing party lines and especially more women crossing party lines. Um, and, 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 and if you do that right, um, you know, and, and you don't get like that, um, you can win. And, you know, I think that really, you know, hammers that home, you know, find the middle and the general. Um, and, and, and if you can successfully do that, you'll win. And, and, you know, I think that's what the difference was for cinema. Point taken. I, I guess I was just referring to maybe towards the end of the campaign. And again, I, I was impressed by McSally's campaign, gracious campaign speech. And I, I suspect that also came from her knowing I'm most likely going to be in 
use Washington, D.C. next year. So, you know, I think you're going to have a moderate Democrat representing Arizona. You're going to have another woman representing it. And maybe, maybe just maybe McSally has learned something that cozying up to Donald Trump is just not a good idea. So, well, you know, hey. I think both these women have, you know, interesting futures ahead. We'll just, we'll just have to see what what comes of it before we move on important race for sure oh yeah and 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 like i mentioned i think with three senate races in three consecutive election cycles it's going to be it's going to be extraordinary it really is it's going to be interesting to keep moving forward before we move on to florida and georgia though the question i want to ask you for a real quick answer is do you think mcsally accepting the temporary senate seat helps her or hurts her um, moving forward just because she lost an election and then within a year you just get the job anyway. And and what that does to the electorate when they have to go or find the middle again when somebody's already voted against her when she then gets appointed. That's a good question, Don. You know, I, it's going to depend on how McSally votes. If she becomes another Trump shill, that's not going to help her. I think if she stares... And I'm a perfect example of that is somebody like Dean Heller of Nevada, former well, soon to be former senator, who everybody thought was just going to cruise to reelection, but because he got into bed with Donald Trump, figuratively, uh, we know <laughs> Dean Heller has better taste than that. As far as you know, <laughs> you know figuratively, they cost him an election. I, I think if McSally takes a moderate Republican position. I personally think she's going to win when she is re-election. I mean, provided she's going to be in the Senate, which I, you know, I think everybody's expecting that. And we could be wrong, but I don't believe so. So it does just, it's going to depend on McSally. She really, you know, if she gets this job, she's really going to have to consider how her state is changing and, you know, vote accordingly with it. Yeah, well, you know, I haven't done the research to, to you know, but the first thing that has popped into my mind is is how maybe rare that is that somebody runs, and then within twelve months they're appointed to you know, and not the that yeah. seat because you know t- you know cinema really still holds that seat, but um, right. she's appointed to the same you know nearly the same seat within a year you know, and I don't I don't know I don't know I don't I don't I don't know how that ends up playing um, and I. You know, the political strategist in me might say, hey, find another placeholder who's not going to run in 2022 and I'll go again. If I was if I was if I was in the McSally camp, that's really what I would be trying to get out of Doug Ducey, which is, you know, who really does hold hold the reins here. And and, and again, why it makes, you know, the secretary of state um, thing even more um, interesting, I think, Um just because of the role that that Ducey might play. And then, you know, he can't really fill anything either if he wants to kind of do that. Um, anyway, um, let's uh, let's move on to Florida and Georgia. Um, those are t- still two states that are counting. Um, Georgia's just counting for uh, governor. Um, Florida's still counting for both governor and U.S. Senate. Yeah. Um, the other new news that came out yesterday, I think, you know, Broward County was two minutes late and they wouldn't accept those uh, those returns. Um, still don't know what's going to happen. Probably going to be lawyers figuring this one out. But what do you, what, you know, what are your feelings on what's happened so far uh, in the last week? I, I mean, I look. I have never been to Florida. Okay, I've never been to Florida. Don't begin yeah. to know, I don't begin to know the first thing about anything never in that state. Been to Florida? And I am sure that there are a lot of wonderful, good people living there. And, you know, it has certainly produced some very interesting political figures over the years. But uh, my goodness, 
remember, we had this extremely tumultuous presidential election in 2000, came down to Florida, and for a month, this country was in limbo, basically until we knew who the president was going to be. And of course, the U.S. Supreme Court made that decision. And again, because of problems with the Florida voting system, I... This is just very frustrating. Um, I, I, you know, it seemed like in the beginning, Bill Nelson was going to eke out a win. Uh, Rick Scott is not exactly the most well-liked political figure, even though he did win, you know, election, re-election there twice. As, well, once as governor, he won twice. And um, it just, it seemed in the beginning that Andrew Gillum was starting to really pull ahead of Ron DeSantis, who... I'm just going to say this. It seems like a terrible individual. Uh, you know, this guy seems like a racist and very, very messed up. I, I'm just, I think a lot of people, they even if they had to trade, they'd say, okay, Scott wins the Senate, but for the love of God, please let Andrew Gillum become the governor. Uh, because by all accounts, DeSantis just seems like a reprehensible individual. Um, so it's, again, this is just, we, you know, this thing is changing hour by hour. And I know another recount is planned, um, but, you know, according to the most recent story in the Sun Sentinel in Florida, uh, apparently they missed the state deadline in terms of submitting the regime recount results, and now they're counting by hand, which is how one should do that, you know, 30,000 ballots in the U.S. Senate race. And at this point, Scott has a thin lead over Nelson. Um, and so this hand may actually involve 93,000 votes by the time all is said and done. Uh, I, I know, I believe with the governor's race, that's going to go into a runoff. So it could be the next time Gillum wins this. Um, but it, you know, it's a, it's a difficult, confusing thing to follow. Uh, it seems like there's a lot, most of the controversy is, Centered around Broward County, which is a you know, hugely populated county, and you know there are a lot of controversy here about the supervisor of elections, Brenda Snipes, and the job she's doing. It seems like both Democrats and Republicans are really unhappy with her. Uh, so you know, and of course, if if Scott wins the Senate, then the GOP gets one more in there, which you know, can only help them in terms of, you know, it's not, again, Trump's got trouble, where Trump's trouble is going to be, and I bring all that up because, again, it is going to matter come next year, and especially once the House starts holding hearings on Donald Trump and possible collusion with Russia, obstruction of justice, and some other things, uh, you know, which is why I think even if Trump gets impeached, there's not going to be the votes in the Senate to remove him, and certainly with Scott, that'll be one more that will vote not to convict him. Uh, you know, I'd be pretty certain of that. Um, obviously, both parties are highly invested in this. Uh -huh. um, so it's it just, again, following this, not only as a journalist, but just as a, a citizen, you know, it's mind-boggling. I can only imagine how a lot of people in Florida must feel right now. Um, and we've seen all the pictures of protests. We've seen somebody like U.S. Rep. Matt Gates, you know, going out down to these protests and acting like a buffoon. You've seen Marco Rubio, who I, I frankly think whatever mainstream credibility he had is gone now with some of the outrageous, ridiculous things that he said. 
about it, and I suspect that's because he's afraid of a primary challenger, specifically Matt Gates. Um, that's a lot of inside politics stuff, but you know, clearly he hasn't done himself any favors here. Um, we're just going to have to wait and see where all of this ends. I mean, if every vote is counted and it's done accurately and professionally, you know, one of them is going to be the winner. And But I think that's not going to end a lot of the bad feelings. And, of course, just for a lot of people thinking back to Florida in 2000, uh, it, it, again, this is just such an unfortunate situation. And, you know, it doesn't do it doesn't do Florida any good, in my opinion. It doesn't do Congress any good. It doesn't do our country any good. Mm. You know what's and what, that's my take on it. You know, again, I mean, Georgia. I just you know we I know we're, we haven't really talked about that, but of course that race is not over yet. It just seems like that's going back and forth between Kemp and Abrams. Um, you know, look, Stacey Abrams may have her problems, and Brian Kemp, by all accounts, just seems like a horrendously corrupt individual who never, she should not have been serving as Secretary of State when he was running for governor. That is just unacceptable. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't even want to make a prediction of how that's going to go. Yeah, but, you know, because it, that's also a situation that's quite fluid. Yeah, you know, uh, I guess the latest report is that the state has until 5 p.m. today to issue guidance on provisional ballots. Uh, and they're ordering the Georgia Secretary of State Office to establish and publicize a hotline or website where voters can check their provisional ballots. They have to make sure they were counted, and if not, why? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just, the point I want to make, too, is just it shows that there's there are a lot of problems with how our institutions are dealing with this. And in Florida, you know, the fact that, that somebody can be running for a governor's seat while they're secretary of state, knowing the role their office plays in an election, that should not be allowed. Uh, so it's, yeah, these are just, these are both, these races are both crucial and they're both just maddening. Yeah, you know, they're going to come down to the wire. And I think that's, oh, absolutely. you know, what it what what plays out. I mean, it does also seem that, you know, right now, um, Republicans are leading in all three of those races, though. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's, that's Could really, yeah. you know, what it comes down to. And, um, you know, hand recount, for sure, probably in the in the US Senate, you know, race, I mean, I think you have to, you know, put an asterisk on anything, because you don't really know what's going to happen. Anything can be stopped. A, a lawsuit can be being filed right as we speak. That's going to change, um, um, you know, the dynamics of this. Um, what effect that mail voting, I think, has played in this is interesting. A voter turnout um, and also looking at what might happen to Florida in the future when there's, um, you know, there, that proposition passed that gave, you know, I think about one million people the right to vote. Um so, you know, with some of these races, especially in Florida, always being a, you know, within 100,000 votes when you have, you know, more than 3 million votes cast, um, you know, it's, um, it's, 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 it's interesting what we're going to end up seeing moving forward because that really changes the dynamic, I think, of the electorate in Florida. Um, and, and just the fact that Georgia is in play, I think, also plays to, you know, a change. Um, in, in, in what's going on. And if, if, if that, you know, voter turnout even increases um, again, um, you know, at the next general election in 2020, 
you don't know whether this is just going to continue. It looks like it's going to. And that's, you know, I, I think the changes that you see in Nevada and um, in Arizona and what might change as far as what can happen in Florida. Because if you get Arizona and Florida, you, you win the electoral map too. And and I think all those things really kind of change the dynamic of what we're seeing, um, you know, more than, than, than anybody wants to imagine. And, you know, we kind of talked about what would happen with Trumpism and what happens um, when it's going to play out um, and whether our, our, our system itself, I think, is strong enough to maintain it, is kind of seeing that this is going to be a sea change just as big as, you know, the Southern Democrats leaving the Democratic Party in the 60s and, and 70s um, and yeah. the flipping and, yeah. and kind of changing the dynamic where we had talked about, you know, whether things are, 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 are different. You know, as they were in the past, McSally saying, you know, that should have been an easy win. Yeah, for that period of time between 1980 and 2010. But now we're in this whole new era. Um, and, and then that's what Florida, Georgia kind of shows me. And also that I think we're going to need to really kind of fundamentally think about that mail-in voting and what that means to, you know, re, you know the, getting results when we want them. Um, even in the past, they were kind of trailed and, and, and gave a few days afterwards. Um, and, and, you know, if you were an astute watcher, you'd realize that the vote counts changed by the time that the elections were canvassed by whatever body had to do that you know, a week or two later. It was always a fact of it. But especially now in Arizona and some of these other places where we have tons of mail-in ballots, it changes that dynamic. So that's really in play for days after after right. the election happens. And so those are the two things I think it's really a change in the culture. It's going to be different. And mail-in ballots, I think, have to be looked at as how do we do this better? How do we do it smarter um, and more efficiently? Right. I mean, I think to me, basically what this last election showed, along with just a rebuke of Trump and the GOP's enabling him, but what it also showed when you had Republicans losing or Republicans winning Senate seats and Missouri, Indiana, North Dakota. Now, at least one of those certainly was no surprise. But, I, you know, you've seen in Ohio, which reelected Sherrod Brown, the Democrats in the Senate, but stayed very red otherwise. I think you're just seeing red states getting redder, blue states getting bluer, and then you've seen states like Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico. Again, they're, they still have some strong Republican groups and a voting base, but... That may not be enough to stop that blowing trend for the, you know, for the Southwest. And yeah. so it, it just, that's one other observation I had about the election. And I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I don't think that necessarily, yeah, I, I just don't think it's, it's going to mean maybe further divided government and some other perhaps unforeseen issues, but. You know, again, with Florida and Georgia, I, I, if Abrams can win this, that's going to be massive. I, I think, I think for Scott to win, it won't be surprising in Florida, but, and I think for DeSantis, if he pulls through, that's, that's just going to be pretty sad. And I, I think, unfortunately, too, what's going to happen with both those states, it's going to be a lot of bad blood and a lot of, I think a lot of angry voters, too. Um, so, you know, and I'm not, you know, we certainly can't count on Ron DeSantis to do a damn thing to fix that. Brian Kemp, if he had any smarts, would really, if he's formally elected, make a peace offering to Abrams and to a lot of people in that state. Um, you know, we'll just have to see. It, it just, these are 
you know, this election has just been incredible and astounding and for so many reasons, both good and bad. Yeah, and, you know, as you had mentioned with McSally, I think that no matter what, um, Abrams has, has shown herself to be somebody who is not going to go away, you know, as long as as long as she's, you know, able um, at this point or unless some sort of scandal reaches up and grabs her, um, you know, she seems like she could probably run for another statewide office uh, or, you know, governor again, you know, you know, challenge him again, even if she ends up not being victorious at this point. I mean, that, they, right. I mean, I mean yeah. she's a real player I, at this point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I it, think like Peter O'Rourke, yeah. who did not win but came pretty damn close in Texas, you know, they, they have bright futures. So, you yeah. know, but it's up to them in terms of the, the next steps they take. No matter what, I bet you, I'm predicting now, I'm putting on my Karnak turban and I'm saying... <laughs> Uh, 2022 Democratic uh, National Convention, we see speeches in prime time from Abrams and O'Rourke. Um, uh, in 2020, yeah, well, or 2024, it, it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, sorry, I misspoke 2022, 2020 is what I meant. <laughs> no problem. I don't have to wait four years, thank goodness. Um, okay, let's... Um, I think we're all wanting that date to hurry up. Let's move to now. the... Um, um, again, you know, if we're going to talk about Donald Trump, I'm just going to throw in aside there. If we all can remember back to that Republican National Convention, which did seem very strange. Um, but uh, he had a, a worse week, it seemed like, um, in our past week and past weekend um, when he went to France. Um, he, he decided to not uh, a, a, attend a ceremony um, honoring uh, fallen American soldiers. Then he didn't go out um, on Veterans Day to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Um, supposedly, all these stories of him ranting and raving. I mean, other things we're probably not really going to spend a lot of time on. But, you know, Melania Trump basically firing um, somebody. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. So, you know, I mean, a lot of things going on um, in the president's wake. I mean, Mueller, uh, there's it's just, you know. What do you want to pick first, Karen? Let's talk about something on well, Trump's I, I crazy the, week. The Jim Acosta. Disaster yeah. bears mentioning. You know, he simply is not capable of showing any real leadership or decency or class or respect. He, he does not have the human qualities to do that. You know, that last weekend marks the 100-year anniversary of the end of World War One. Pretty big deal world of you know history and events and to go there and not walk with leaders like you know macron of france merkel uh i believe Theresa may was there uh of course vladimir putin showed up which for one you know in that one presentation in which macron was sort of you know slamming trump when he mentioned nationalism uh, but you see trump who was sitting there glum and slouching in his chair because he can't sit up straight like no normal human being either. Um, but then he breaks out into a big idiot grin when his when his boss comes in. Uh, you know, just extraordinarily shameful. I let's not. I hate the what about game, but let's not kid ourselves. If Barack Obama had failed to pay the kind of respect to the men who lost their lives the way that this guy did, you'd have nonstop screaming. On cable news, you'd have the GOP demanding Obama be censured or worse. You'd never hear the end of it. And you know what? They'd be justified in being angry. 
It's, you know, Eric C. Swalwell, a Democrat from California who's a U.S. rep and certainly no fan of Trump, but, you know, called it a national embarrassment. And he's right. It was disgusting. And these ridiculous excuses, oh, he couldn't drive that far in the rain, or, oh, uh, Marine One won't fly in the rain, which is utter horseshit. <laughs> I, I just, you know, the, the families and the, the memories of those men, they deserve so much better. But... You know, this is just Trump being the, the piece of trash that he is. Uh, but I think it's also, you know, there's a lot of speculation that he's he's really starting to crack. Uh, reportedly, he claims, I don't believe a word that comes out of his mouth, but he, he claims that he's answering the questions that Mueller has asked of him. Or Mueller, excuse me, not Mueller. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, and I suspect, again, this goes, the report is supposed to drop soon. Now, there's... Tons of speculation, will the public see it, or is Trump's highly dubious pick for attorney general? I mean, so much happened last week. Jeff Sessions got fired. You know, oh, yeah. no need to talk about that. But, you know, the concern is, how far is the Trump administration going to go in trying to seal this from the public? We don't know. Although, honestly, in the world, with the world we're living today, in social media, I don't see how it doesn't become public one way or the other. But... You know, there's going to be a Democratic House in, in January. And whatever happens with Nancy Pelosi and the speakership or some other leadership roles, they're going to start doing hearings. So, you know, and Trump, he, you know, he may, this may end up going before the Supreme Court, but Trump can't stop that. His protections are over. I, you know, I, it's almost, I, you know, it's, back to the election, it just seems like the GOP sort of knew it was going to lose the House, and it, I, I mean, it's try as hard as they did to stop that from happening, because clearly they, you know, they and Trump know this is not good for him. Um, but I, I just, I, I mean, interestingly enough, there's an article on Town Hall, which is a very right-wing site, but they had a headline today with a story, the drip, drip, drip of bad news continues for President Trump. And this is one of his main cheerleading organizations. And I think even they are starting to recognize between that and the fact that his approval ratings dropped, because they had, they had been ticking up. And I think most of that is because of the economy. It's not because people like him. They don't. Right. But I, I suspect the European trip and just the specter of the Mueller investigation, you know, it just reminds people of how bad this guy is. Yeah, you know, I mean, so, but, you know, back to what happened that week. Um and 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 I completely agree with what you're saying, but it was and and as far as that town hall um, uh, dot com piece goes, it, it was such a it, for Trump usually always has it's a drip 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 week to week usually or every two weeks or you know something happens, but it it did seem like since the election it was the election and every day was something else and it just was. You know, it's like, you know, they increased the uh, Chinese water torture uh, all of a sudden, and it just got worse. Um, and, you know, we didn't even talk yet about how, you know, it all started with you saw we all saw him um, dealing with Acosta and how he just couldn't take it anymore. You know, he's stepping away from the lectern. I mean, looking 
Um, and then, you know, you know, the, the whole doctored video um, that was sped up in order to see, <laughs> to show that he was trying to assault her. And then they changed that, um, the story on that. And then the lawsuit. And then now that it's, he's been forced to get his press pass back and, you know, don't know whether they're going to, um, you know, rule on the uh, permanent um, ruling so that he can, uh, you know, they basically say that, that the president has no right to kind of handle that. Um to, you know, decide who's going to be covering him. You know, it was just one of those, um, you know, week, week and a half that just probably was the gift that just wouldn't keep on beating. Um, and, you know, you know, part of the thing in, in France, to me, the first thing I thought was, you know, Trump was worried about his hairstyle, you know, that they would see that he was just, you know, had the banker, basically the banker comb over. And that, you know, the only thing he, he could do, you know, if he had to put a hat on, he was a Make America Great Again hat, and which, you know, he, somebody, one of the, na- you know, nation's leaders probably would have just ripped it off his head. And and if he wanted to wear like a fedora, he would look like, you know, some kind of, you know, Russian, um, you know, Mikhail Gorbachev. Um, so, you know, I think he was, you know, it was some, it was even, it was optics, it was everything else. I just don't think he could... He could handle that whole thing, um, but it didn't get any 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 better for sure. Um, and you know, Whitaker, like you said, we hadn't even talked about. I mean, that was that was also when he left. He said that he didn't even know who he was, and then they found out. Well, he didn't know who he was. He he just meant that he wasn't friends with him. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't get any better, and uh, or you know, it, he just can't make it any any more improved. Again, the Melania thing, I think, which is kind of. <laughs> You know, just like, crazy. You know, um, so, I don't know. You have something on well, that? Well, I'll bring this up again about the Obamas. If Michelle Obama had pulled a stunt like that, we know what the reaction would be. <laughs> and, again, the GOP would be demanding that she go before Congress and explain himself or herself, excuse me, uh, that you know, Obama be censured or worse. I, you know, we'd never hear the end of it. You know, Melania Trump was not elected to anything. She should not be doing things like this. Let's remember 25 years ago, now, you know, a million years ago, when Hillary Clinton was first lady and there were controversies over some of the decisions she was making. And, you know, there was a lot of outrage over it. And there should have been, because, I, you know, I'll be honest, sometimes it, it seemed like the first lady maybe overstepped her bounds. Even though, and, and Clinton is a million times smarter and more accomplished than Melania Trump will ever be. Um, it, it, it just the whole thing feels very skeezy with Melania Trump and this decision. Uh, it, it just again, it, because I I'm sorry, I you know I I think the public in the beginning was willing to lay off her because she was quiet and didn't say much. It obviously seems like they don't have a real marriage to begin with. Uh, but between her recent interview whining to ABC that she's the most bullied person on earth. Uh, her wearing a, a wholly inappropriate jacket to go visit children in these refugee detention centers, and just her general lack, you know, lack of any real accomplishments since becoming first lady. I, I just think that there's a growing sense among the public that Melania Trump is just, you know, not fit for this role and not a particularly nice person. And unfortunately, she has only herself to blame for that. I, you know, I feel, again, I've said this many times, I feel very bad for their son. I really do. Um, you know, but it, it just, it, again, it just it shows, unfortunately, the Trump family, they do not seem to understand any appropriate boundaries. 
Uh, it, it should be noted, by the way, there have been some stories that you know, we're paying for some of the trips that Donald Trump Jr. has taken on behalf of the business, not anything to do with his father. That's not acceptable. So, again, there's just so much outrage here and so much corruption. It's very easy to lose sight of it. But it's also just a reminder of how corrupt a lot of these people are. Mm. Um, well, let's um, talk about, um, because I think, as we as you had alluded to, What's going to be moving on in the future is that since the House is going to be held by Democrats, they're going to have investigation power, and we all know that they're going to be able to use that, and they're going to subpoena people, and they can make things public when they want them to be public. Um, so they, you know, things can't be hidden. Um, and I, I think, you know, who's going to be, who or who might be the speaker, whether Pelosi gets it again. Um, and we know that Schumer is going to be, you know, the majority or the minority leader in the Senate. Um, I think that's that's pretty much a, a no-brainer. Um, and so you take all that together. Um, and then also I want to tie it into the idea that what folks have said is no matter what happens with Mueller, um, the Democrats will just call him in because there's nothing beholden him to not if, – if he gets subpoenaed by Congress, he has to come and report on what is in the report anyway. So that now that the Democrats have taken control of, of the House – um, the the Judiciary Committee can just call them and, and, and have them give the report to them if they really want to. Have you heard that right. argument? What do you think of that? Um, what do you think of what the investigations mean if it's Pelosi or someone else? Um, and, and, and what role Schumer might be able to ultimately play? Well, I, I want to say a few things about Pelosi. Um, you know, her problem in the has been she's just not a good how a PR sort of face for the role, but she is an ass kicker in terms of getting oh, yeah. democratic votes like her or not. You know, she has that ability. What she's not good sometimes is with doing is being sort of a forceful enough voice in terms of public perception. But, she, look, there would be no ACA without her. She got enough Democrats to get on board with that. We remember what a torturous situation and, and process that was uh, because of how clumsily it was rolled out, how I think Barack Obama, when he was president, did not perhaps do enough in the beginning to get his party, uh, you know, on board with it. But Pelosi, you know, she's effective. That's why the Republicans don't like her, because to some degree, they're scared of her, because they know how effective she is. Michael Steele, the former GOP chairman, said that as much. Well, yeah, we ran against her in 2010. She was the perfect kind of catalyst for that, but it was also because we knew damn well how effective she had been and continues to be. I, I frankly think this attempt, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not even sure I fully understand why you have more conservative Democrats like Seth Moulton of Massachusetts and Tim Ryan of Ohio and some others. I don't know what they think they're trying to do. They're not going to, you know, neither one of them is going to be speaker. Okay, that's just not going to work. Um, I, I, you know, I've heard some interesting discussions that maybe let Pelosi be speaker, well, you know, through the, the rights of a civic process through 2019, if they can get real hearings and possibly even impeachment of Trump uh, for obstruction of justice and some other things. 
And then it might be time, yes, to finally find some new leadership. Because another thing I want to bring up is that kind of the double standard here. The Democrats just won nearly 40 seats. And Pelosi played a pretty big role in that. Schumer, in the Senate under Chuck Schumer, they lost three. They might lose one more. Um, and yet he's easily selected as minority leader again, really. I, and I, I frankly think Chuck Schumer has been mediocre at best as minority leader. They, the, the Democrats would be much better off with somebody like Amy Klobuchar or Dick Durbin of Illinois. Uh, Klobuchar is senator from Minnesota. So, you know, it, I, I, I think just because in the Senate, the Democrats didn't want the drama of trying to find another minority leader, so let's just give it to Schumer again. I think because the House is such is a 435-member body, you, you're just going to have a lot more chaos with that. Um, I think Pelosi's going to be voted in as speaker. And, uh, you know, the sense that she has the experience, she has the know-how of the House, and the ability, again, to convince Democrats to get on board. So, I, you know, that's where it's going. It seems to me the drama with some of these more conservative Democrats, also known hashtag five white guys, fair or not, <laughs> that's what the perception is. And maybe, you know, newcomers like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who, you know, is definitely representing a much more progressive wing and, and sort of when she was outside of Pelosi's office calling for her to do more about climate change, among other things. And those are those are important issues, no doubt about it. Uh, although I don't think that has been as big a problem for the Democrats right now as the efforts by Moulton and some others to dislodge her sure. as the future speaker of yeah, the house. No, I, I, um, I completely agree with you. I think that's who you want if you're if you're a smart Democrat. Um, that's who you want to kind of lead you into this. I think you need to have somebody, especially in this time, who's 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 at least known um, and, and, and has kind of been through the wars before. Um, you know, some of those younger members, they just need, you know, kind of need to wait your turn. It's just what it is. You have to get support and you can't do that overnight. Um, right. and, and, and that's who you'd want to have there. I think somebody with that experience and some of it to me is, is jockeying for some of the other positions and, and, and how you're setting yourself up for that two, four, six years from now when, when, when Pelosi finally decides, you know, to hang it up. Um, and right. you know, you know, that's some of it, you know, if you're known, if you're not trying to reach for the top, you know, and you're just saying, well, I'm just going to try to settle to be, you know, um, whip or, you know, you know, whatever. Um, then, you know, maybe you don't get it. Um, but if you're trying to get for the, you know, that's one of the ways that you, you know, throw some voting blocks. That's the way politics works. Um, saw a good interview with, um, you know, I mean, I, I, to a certain extent, I can't stand, uh, Chris Cuomo on CNN, but, um, you know, he's known Pelosi all his life because of his obvious connection with his, with his father and brother. Um, so, but he asked her about, you know, these, um, you know, potential challenges to her speakership or, or to her, you know, and she says, Hey, it's politics. It's going to get like that. You know, people want my job, you know, it's, it's getting the votes. It's part of what it is. It's, it's, you know, if people want to kind of want to look and see what it takes to make the sausage, you know, they can come back behind and realize that it's never like everybody just saying, Oh, you're the greatest. 
Um, and, and everybody all, you know, la, la, la. And they all agree that it's going to be Pelosi and they run out there all happy. It never works that way. It's always, you know, there's some, there's some kind of consternation from someone and some of it's posturing, some of it's jockeying, but that's what it takes. And, and, you know, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, and I agree with you. I don't see a way that anybody's going to be able to dislodge her. Um, but I think that they're playing the you know the right games. I don't think that it's that it's anything to be ashamed of. It's it's kind of the way the world works, and you have to kind of put you know put yourself out there and put your ideas out there, and and that's what's playing um, through. Um, you know, the Senate um, is just a little bit more of a conservative um, in a um, you know kind of a figurative way. Um, I think you know, and 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 you know, Schumer's led them um, just fine. I think, and, and um, you know, we'll see what happens to him, I think, in the future. And that probably depends on what happens in the next election in 2020. Um, yeah. And then, and then, and then we'll see what they do with Schumer. Um, but, you know, it's, I think it's just going to play itself out. And I do see a, a, a strong role in oversight. I see, you know, obviously what's going to happen in the Judiciary Committee is going to be significant. But then there's also... Um, you know, national security, there's all kinds of different committees that are going to run all kinds of different things. And we'll finally, you know, get a chance to take a look. And I think that that's the interesting thing is when you have someone who's never held office, has been a private real estate developer, um, has tried to rechange government and do things and then never let you really look at anything. And the only thing that the um, controlling party is doing is saying, everything's fine, um, just move along. Um, it's, it's nice to at least find out. And, and, you know, I don't think any, any evidence is going to be, um, um, you know, made up in this situation. So there's nothing to be afraid of, but the truth and, and we'll all, you know, get a chance to see it. Um, and, and, you know, that's, what's coming in, in 2019. And I think it's going to be a very interesting year and, and for sure by summer, um, I think we will have several podcasts where, we are just mouths agape. I suspect you're right. <laughs> um, how, how about the whole Khashoggi situation? Hasn't gone away. It's moved off the front page, but it's, you know, I mean, again, not talking in literal terms because we don't have front pages anymore, but you know what I mean. Uh, it's down the website. Um but there's still very interesting things going on politics with people and, and Turkey and Saudi Arabia and the United States. Um, and then also the investigations going on. And now there's 11 suspects. Right. And of course the Saudi government is going to charge them with Khashoggi's murder. And of course is asking for the death penalty. Um, I really, I don't believe a word that comes out of the Saudi, that comes from the Saudi government. I, you know, do not believe for one moment these were just 11 rogue killers who just happened to decide one day, oh, we're going to kill a very strong Saudi critic. Um, And, you know, that's only reinforced by the fact that the Saudi government kept changing its story early on in this. Um, You know, the Turkey, you know, has the audio of what happened. By all accounts, it is absolutely horrifying. Uh, I reportedly, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has heard it. I, I just, again, and of course, because we have uh, an administration bereft of any morals or uh, respect for law or anything else, you know, because Donald Trump wants the Saudis to continue to pump up his businesses, this is what this is basically about. You know, you can't expect any real leadership from the U.S. government or any actions 
firm sanctions or actions against the Saudi government for what clearly appears to be a killing that was directed from on high. Um, there's reportedly audio of when it was done, one of the monsters in this told, said to somebody on the other line, tell your boss the job is done. Um, who the boss is, well, we can speculate, right. but I won't be surprised if that turns out to be Mohammed bin Sultan, uh, this just really creepy individual who's running the country right now. And unfortunately, there's no way to deal with him. That would be up to the Saudi government to do that. So, you know, this is just, this is an extraordinarily troubling, terrible uh, case that has, that has you know, happened. And, you know, maybe some of these guys who are in trouble now and are probably going to be executed in double quick time, given how Saudi policy works, uh, maybe some of them indeed are guilty, but it's, it's very hard to believe that this was not done without knowledge of uh, Mohammed bin Sultan, or at least high up officials in the Saudi government. I, you know, it's just there are too many strange coincidences and just too many obvious links at this point to to believe otherwise. Uh, and that's terrifying and that's frightening. I think another issue that's connected to this, of course, involves Turkey, because Turkey, to its credit, had been very public with how Khashoggi died and pointed it out. But now we're learning that Turkey wants the Trump administration to go ahead and extradite Fethullah Gulen, an influential cleric who is very critical of Turkish President Erdogan's government. And the Turkish government blames Gulen for the 2016 coup attempt that happened in July of that year. Um, So, you know, and of course we don't know if Gulen is really guilty of anything. He may be, he may not be, but it just seems as if now you can't help but feel that there's some kind of odd quid pro quo going on in terms of why Turkey's asking now for Gulen to be extradited after its very public role in exposing the the murder of Khashoggi. And in that, look, that was an important thing to do. But again, Turkey, and I'm you know I'm sorry. Right now, the Turkish government is certainly no friend of human rights or democracy. Uh, Erdogan, you know, has acted in a manner more often than not, which is that is not democratic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, again, there's a lot of unanswered questions here. It's hard to take that. You know, you can't take the Saudi government seriously at all in what it's doing. And I, I hate to say it, but Turkey's Motives right now are highly suspect. Um, you know, it seems to me that, you know, they better have more evidence than they do about what Gulen did or didn't do. And I, you know, somebody's welcome to correct me. I have not seen that. Um, so, again, it's just an extraordinarily troubling foreign policy issue. And, you know, you just you can't count on the Trump administration to do the right thing about it. No. I'm sorry to say. I just hope that some justice comes for, you know, the family of Khashoggi and that Gulen is given a fair trial and hearing if he is extradited back to Turkey. And, you know, and it is... If it turns out he's guilty, then fine, he's guilty, you know, but we just don't know that right now. Right. And, and, you know, the, 
they've had 17 Saudis are allegedly involved in the murder. Um, in two days. I'm sorry if I said 11. No, no, I mean, it's 11. But so 17 who have had sanctions placed on them by the U.S. government. Okay. So there might be 11. um, There's 11 suspects. But who knows? You know, it's all of this is very hard to kind of figure out. But Al Jazeera is reporting that 17 Saudis were sanctioned by the U.S. government. Um, and the interesting thing is because those of us have been following what happened with Trump and in the Trump Tower meeting, um, that was about the Magnitsky Human Rights Accountability Act. So they sanctioned those 17 Saudis based upon that act, which I think was is, is, is one of those moments where, you know, you kind of look at, is there anything here? I mean, why these perpetrators of um, what this bill actually does and why it really impacts people who want to do stuff like kill people, um, uh, where they get their money seized by the U.S. government, um, and, and why it's such a big deal. And I think that's one of those things, whether it's tied to Trump or not, what happened there, the, the, you know, shining the light on that act, which I think had gone under the radar for a lot of people, um, plays into it. Again, it's kind of a tangent on the whole uh, Khashoggi thing. Um, but you know, even, even these 17, you know, folks that are suspects, um, you know, they've rarely been sanctioned and, 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 and they are under that act. Um, as far as the, you know, the details, I, I, it's, 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 it's the, I think marketing 101, uh, public relations 101 would have been at that point, if you can, if, as long as you're not going to self implicate yourself, um, and you are, you know, Mohammed bin Salman, I would have just given them exactly what happened at what moment in time with what people instead of changing, um, you know, what has gone on. And I think that even to this date, as it was yesterday, the day before, they said what the what the uh, explanation was and what happened. And and still the um, the folks that have heard that tape say that that's probably that's not enough, that it doesn't make sense. And, and, you know, do, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I am completely tied that this is going to be one of those underlying mysteries that we never seem to find out because no one's going to want to invade Saudi Arabia to find it out. You know, I, again, what's, what's especially tragic about this, especially with the Khashoggi murder, you've got three, you've got two really bad actors for sure involved. The Trump administration Sorry to say that, and the Saudi government, and then you've got another country that, again, its motives are questionable. That, of course, being the Turkish government. Whatever, you know, credit all credit to Erdogan and the Turkish government for pushing the U.S. on doing something about the Saudis. Um, so I just, I, I, you know, I don't even really want to think of where this is all going to go and what we're going to learn in the end of it. I just, again, I hope. Justice is done in the name of Jamal Khashoggi and his family because they deserve better. And again, there needs to be a fair trial for Gulen if he is extradited. Um, so I, to me, that's just where it stands hey, a, now. A, another element on the Khashoggi thing that I want to talk with you about before we um, you know, run out of time here, because I know we're, we're rapidly doing that, but um, do you think... Th- 
or the assumption in my mind has to be that the Saudis had no idea that um, the Turkish government um, could record them in the ways that they did. So they have their international phone calls, all of them. They have um, the tape of the actual killing, probably, most likely, or discussions of it. They have so much information. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that I think, you know, everybody's so aghast. Um, did did Does everyone know that everyone else is spying on them? One, I mean, sure. you, you, you figure no, though, because if people are committing this crime, they wouldn't be doing it in, in blatant understanding that somebody can hear them doing it. Um, and so, you know, how does that play into this whole thing? I know, I know it really doesn't play into the crime that happened and, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible, but it's, it kind of has a little bit of an insight into international relations, spying, dealing with these sorts of things, how, how they got all this stuff and what it does to international relationships. Um, you know, uh, you know, secrets, Turkey, you know, you have any feeling on that or, you know, had, had you given well, it much thought? I mean, I think, look, the Saudis, I'm sorry to say it, the Saudi government has been a suspicious slash bad actor for a long time now. Never mind 9-11. We don't need to get into that. And that is not meant as a comment against the Saudi people themselves. I'm sure a lot of them are really not happy about any of this. And I wish them all the best. But clearly, you have a government that is just does not have good intentions in mind. As for Turkey, again... This is a country that at one time was considered, uh, you know, a, a surefire membership in the EU. That's over with now because, you know, President Erdogan, again, does not val- does seem to respect or value democracy, even when he does do the right thing at times. Um, and, you know, you've seen protests and all kinds of demonstrations in Turkey because it, it is a very important country, given its straddling between Europe and the Middle East. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of foreign policy implications, a lot of NATO-related implications there. Uh, and it doesn't, nothing seems to be able to change there until there's different leadership. That's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, Erdogan just, you know, recently got reelected. Um, and, of course, well, I, you know, who's in the White House right now? Right. We know. And he doesn't give a damn about human rights or anything else. So I, I just, I, I, you know, I, I think, frankly, however this ends, it's not going to be good. Um, and you certainly, we were talking about Trump's disastrous trip in Europe. We've already alienated major allies like France, Germany. I, I, let, let, we mentioned this, you know, Trump called up Theresa May just the other week and berated her. Okay, and she's having her own problems with Brexit right now, if anybody's following that. Yeah, you think? Um, I'm sure she doesn't need to hear this from him. So, you know, and, and frankly, you know, given what happens with Brexit in the UK, that could have tremendously, you know, could have serious impact on our relationship with our British cousin. Um, and so it's, I just, you know, this is bad all around for where the U.S. stands in terms of how the world views it. I, you know, I wish I could say there were better news right now with any of this, and there just isn't. No, 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 Um, I completely agree. And And I think, you know, one of the things that I think, I think that the um, trip to France sort of showed, I think a lot of people had talked about it, that it seems like after the election, now um, uh, other countries aren't looking at 
at what Trump does as representative of the United States, but as representative of Trump. And and right. um, I think that, you know, for you know better or worse, I think what, what has been now thrust upon the international landscape is um, that the American people are still just fine um, and will survive um, what's going on. Um, so um, that's my, you know, short take on that uh, whole thing. I think to bring it full circle back to the electoral victory or the, the you know, the victory at the ballot box this past week. Uh, but Karen, thanks again um, for for chatting with me um, today. Well, thank you. And if I may just say one more thing, uh, living here in California, and we all know there have just been devastating fires uh, up north. Right with over 50 people dead there are over 600 missing but i want to thank every single firefighter in california and ones coming from arizona and other states for the incredible work they're doing and um god bless all of them and all of the people who have been affected by this terrible natural disaster thanks everybody and good luck to those who have been displaced we'll all talk to you next time